Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Ready? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, 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 I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for communion. Hallelujah. Thank you for your body and your blood. We would not be here today if it wasn't, if it wasn't for this moment that we are remembering. Thank you, Lord. As we are grateful for our veterans and thankful for how they did, laid down their lives, Lord, you were the ultimate veteran. You were the ultimate person that laid down their lives because by your blood, your pure blood, we are washed white as snow. And because of the cross, we're healed and delivered and righteous and holy and full of peace and joy. You have provided, Lord, so many things through that cross. Thank you, Father. We remember that today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So communion, we started off, uh, we're going through the word church as a acrostic, and we started off with community, the first C in the word church. Uh, we believe in simple terms that the, the church is placed in the community to bless the community, not that the community would bless the church. A community means that it's a group of people that assemble together. In the world, we use the word community to name, you live in this community. I live in Victoria Hills, or I live in Longleaf Plantation, or I live, you know, and you say the name of your community. You're really not a community by the meaning of the word, because the word means to assemble together. And that if the community is not assembling together, then they're not really a community. And we're assembling together because we are a community here at New Life or the New Life community. And I believe the church was, is on the earth as the platform for the harvest, H. It's our, it's our responsibility to preach the gospel. We all have a ministry of reconciliation. We should be out there looking for those that are lost and bringing them to the feet of Jesus. The U is unto him. We do everything as if unto God. We ask God to help us and direct us and give us clarity in our decisions here at the church, what we should do, who we should support. You know, we were supporting uh, Grace House already, and we were praying about uh, uh, resources for women. And it's not just because uh, the executive director goes to our church. Uh, we just began to pray about it. And I, I, wasn't, I didn't feel obligated to do anything with them uh, as a pastor here or anything like that. But the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. And, uh, and that's when I said, okay, Lord, we'll do this. And we do everything like that. We ask God for permission. We ask God to lead us. We ask God to direct us. We have our plans and we have our, you know, things that we put into place here that we come up with. But if God says, uh-uh, then we shut it down. Okay. We have no problem uh, obeying God and doing what he wants us to do. In fact, the church has been managed and directed by man way too long. 
We call ourselves the pastors. I'm not the pastor of this church. Jesus is the head of the church, and I'm an under-shepherd. That's completely different, isn't it? And I was speaking to somebody uh, uh, at a business that I went to uh, to have something done and a uh, service done. And I went into the business and we were talking and, and the lady claimed to be a, a Christian. And uh, we were talking about different things and, and she started asking about our church. And I, I told them a little bit about the church. I don't like those kind of questions because you have to answer them. And then answering them is, you know, it's just come, just come and check us out, you know. <laughs> But uh, they were, she was asking us questions, asking me personal questions about the church. And then she says, you know, uh, I, I, I commune with God on my own because the church is just all about money. And I said, yeah, I, I see where you get that. I'm not even going to argue with you because there, a lot of it is like that. A lot of it is like that. But I told her, we're not like that. Our motive and our purpose for being here is, is to bless our community, to, to win the harvest, to, to bless those in missions. Our, our purpose here is not, not that. Now, we need that. We need money to be able to have resources to do the things that we do. But that is not our number one. It's not on top. As you can see, it's community hard. And money is not even mentioned in our, in our vision, right? Because it's just something that you do. And we do teach that here. And we let you do with the word what you want to do with it. Nobody gives you a hard time. If you're not a tither and you're sitting amongst us, you should not be treated any different than the tither by us. Now, there are promises that are for the tither that are not for those who don't. I just, right? I can't get away from what it says there, okay? So we have unto him. We're trying to do our best to do everything as if unto God and let God lead his church. And we just kind of go along for the ride, right? And uh, he's always going to be, uh, he's always going to come up with the best programs and the best. Some churches have great programs, and that's awesome. We would love to have a better children's church program. We have a pretty good one here, but we would rather have something greater. We would love to have a youth group. As I say that, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to the hearts of someone that needs to lead that ministry, <laughs> right? And not by me coming to you, but by you knowing in your heart that that's your calling. Because if we tell somebody, this is what we need, and you, I'll do it because you need it, then your heart is not really there. We want somebody called to that ministry. Pray for that for us. My wife and I were praying last night. We're praying, Lord, send somebody to do that ministry, college and career ministry. Right? We want to do all these things, but we want to do them because God has led us to do these things. Restoration, R. Uh, today's message is a little shorter, so don't worry. I'm not going to we're going to have communion in a minute, but I wanted to cover these. Restoration, we covered this last week, okay? And before I cover that, I'm going to give you the reference scripture for this entire series. Genesis 28, verses 3 and 4. And this is the, the, the verse that my wife and I began. Uh, uh, we planted a church because of this scripture. And, and as I said, it's actually written underneath this floor right here on the, the plywood. It says, Genesis 28, 3 and 4, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. Say, that's me. That's a good one to say, that's me. That you may be an assembly community of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land, the berry, Orange City, Deltona, <laughs> in which you are a stranger, no longer a stranger. I was when we started, which God gave to Abraham. 
See, we're here to possess the land. I heard a pastor say, this is a book of real estate, <laughs> about real estate, right? I was like, what? It's a book of love, and it's a book of redemption. It's a book. No, it's a book of real estate. We're here to possess the land. I said, okay, I get it. I get it. We can say it's a book about a lot of different things, and it would all be true. But last week, we covered restoration and saw that the church is the workshop where God, right? God, the master restorer, does his work. We should come every Sunday expecting. You get what you expect. So if your expectancy is down here, then you're going to get down here. Man, you know, excuse me. It's not COVID, it's just a cough. Those of you watching are safe. There's at least six feet between me and the camera. So... <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> I don't know what happened there. Where was I? <laughs> he works here. He's the restorer, uh, the master restorer of all things, right? As we cover communion today, we'll see how God restored the church. He restored the church. So today, coming in, I was like, man, we're going to have communion today. And my expectancy went way up here. Way up here. I was so expecting. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Today, we're going to remember what's been dismembered. You guys are like, (laughs) what'd you say? We're going to remember the body. We're going to reconnect. I'm going to read a scripture for you in just a minute that the Lord gave me just this morning as I was praying about this service. So today we'll be having communion, which is a very important part of our vision in the wide church vision. And the word communion, which is the the second C in the word church, the word communion covers all of our sacraments. So we believe in baptism in water. We believe in, in, in marriage between a man and a woman in the church. We believe in our sacraments. So we cover everything. But today we're just going to cover the main one, which is uh, communion. The Old Testament <clears throat> was a preparation for what God was about to do. It's kind of like a, a huge arrow. You ever seen those arrows with lights on them? Right? And it's pointing towards something, but you can't see what's there yet, right? You're just waiting to see what's there. And it, that's what the Old Testament was is we're, we're about to do something. Something's about to happen. <laughs> so let's look at what this arrow is, because it's just the arrow. It's not the actual happening of, of what's about to, to take place. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 through 7, and then we're going to jump to 12 through 14. In 3 through 7, Exodus 12, 3 through 7 says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, this is uh, uh, God telling Moses what to do. Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a house, household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. There's so many types and shadows right there. You should be preaching the gospel to your neighbor. The lamb is sufficient for any amount of people. And if you have the lamb, you should be sharing it with your neighbor. 
5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Remember that. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall, there was a lot of that night. And, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the houses where they are, they eat it. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn on the land of Egypt. Now he's saying Egypt over and over again, because the threat wasn't really against the Israelites. The threat was for Egypt. See, the Israelites lived in a place called Goshen, which was right next to Egypt or in Egypt in a place. And they all lived there. But they said, listen, the only way that we're going to be able to differentiate is through the blood. Because yeah. I'm coming across and, 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 and this is the, the last plague. I mean, I've done everything I can to change the heart of this, this Pharaoh and it's just not happening. And I will strike all the firstborns of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Not a, but the. I am the Lord. I'm, I'm really studying that word, the. You think that it's just a, such a, a simple word, but it really isn't. It changes everything. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, which actually means in remembrance of or a remembrance. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. The, the non-Messianic Jews till today have the Passover meal. Remember the first seeing community? We spoke of the assembling of God's people. So imagine, here they are, and God says to Moses, assemble your people, do this as a community, and tell them these instructions. And they were very specific. Yeah. A lamb for a house, make sure that there's, what he wanted was there was going to be no lamb left over. Use it all. To me, it's like, I'm going to give the lamb of God. I'm going to give the unblemished lamb on the cross. Use it all. Take advantage of all the promises that are going to happen on that cross. That's what he's saying. Use it all. Don't leave anything on the side. He's going to make a major sacrifice on that cross. He's going to give his life. He's going to suffer. Take advantage of everything. Don't leave anything aside. Don't let any of it rot. Don't let any of it sit on. Take advantage of all of it. There's so many promises that come because of the cross. Yeah. By the stripes of Jesus, I am already healed. Yeah. He did that on the cross. His blood washes me white as snow. And man, are we blemished? Do we not need forgiveness? Don't waste the lamb. Imagine missing that service where Moses gives them these specific instructions. 
you would lose your firstborn son and you would lose the firstborn of any animal that you owned because it was rainy outside it's cold i want to stay under my sheets i'll stay here with pastor pillow and sister sheets that's too old i can't keep using that you guys don't laugh at it anymore Used it too many times. I wore it out. The Old Testament Passover commemorated the children of Israel's deliverance from the hand of Pharaoh and the tyranny of Egypt. Total deliverance. Egypt represented what was a type and shadow of sin. Use all of the lamb. Come on. There isn't a sin that he didn't forgive on that cross. There isn't anything you can do that he can't restore. <laughs> See, the Israel's deliverance required the blood of the Lamb. Today, when we take communion, we celebrate our spiritual deliverance from the bondage of sin through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Communion can be called New Testament Passover. The saving of souls or the harvest. In John chapter 1, we see John calling Jesus the Lamb of God several times. In the book of Revelations, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb many times. We sing a song, Worthy is the Lamb. That comes from the book of Revelations. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, here it is again, without blemish and without spot. I heard a, a guy on this page, tube, you, YouTube, something like that. Anyway, I heard a, a guy say, that we don't preach the blood in the church anymore because it's too gory. <laughs> we watch movies where people are shot down in blood and squirts everywhere, and we can't talk about the blood of Jesus in the church? You just removed the power. You just took out life. You just took out the life. Blood, life is in the... Blood. If you remove the blood from the church, there's no life in the church. The church is dead. Come on. How can we not talk about the blood of Jesus? <laughs> in the Old Testament, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you in Exodus 12, 13. So when the death angel saw the blood of the lamb on the door, he passed over the people in the house. When we accept Jesus Christ ooh, as our Savior, His blood, the blood of the Lamb, the unspotted blood, is applied to our lives. You may not see it in the natural, but in the spiritual, I'm covered in the blood. Therefore, when judgment or condemnation comes our way, it passes over us because... I'm getting goosebumps. Because of the blood. Yes. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to yes. 
save the world. Those who don't believe don't have the blood. Therefore, they are condemned already. John 3, 17 and 18. Instead of, you know, 16, everybody knows that one, but keep reading. I am not condemned because when he goes over me, what does he see? I accepted the blood. I'll say it again. Blood. We're not removing the blood from the church. It's not gory. It's holy. It's powerful. It's my everything. It's my salvation. It's my forgiveness. It's my righteousness. It's my healing. It's my wholeness. How can I remove that? The blood. Come on. The blood. Over 1,500 years after Israel's release from bondage, Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room celebrating what, uh, what happened a long time ago in Egypt. And at this time, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, it's the first time, right, as an ordinance or sacrament of the church. This ordinance was a restoration, remember that word, of the Passover under a brand new covenant. Acts chapter 2. This is not going to be in your notes because it was added this morning. You guys did a great job. It's up there, right? You guys are the best. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 43. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. This is the foundation of the church. This is where this church was being established in the book of Acts, right at the beginning. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I don't know what those that are against megachurches say about that. 3,000 were added to their number that day. 42. They devoted, everybody say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, listen, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer in the new american standard version i believe it adds in parentheses communion the word communion the breaking of bread and prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles if you continue reading through there it says that fear filled the church how many of you remember we were talking about Ananias and sapphires in the restoration of the church. We talked about restoration. And said, how was the church restored? Two people dropped dead for lying to the Holy Spirit in the middle of the church. And then all of a sudden, there were signs and wonders and the church was, woo-hoo! Restored through fear. Now, not the fear that we think of being afraid of something, but it's called a level of respect and honor. They were devoted Now, the word for devoted in the uh, uh, Greek, I cannot pronounce it, nor will I attempt to. But it means to adhere to one. To be his adherent. And I looked that up, and it says you can't tell one from the other. They They were devoted so much to the church that you couldn't tell 
They couldn't tell, you know, that they weren't part of, like, you could tell that they were in the church. Like, that person's a church. There's no way you can say, are they or aren't they? Peter tried to get out of that, remember? Three times. In my opinion, I think it was because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. But anyway, to adhere, (laughs) that's not true, by the way, that's not true. He loved his mother-in-law. To adhere to one, be his adherent, to be devoted or constant one, to be steadfastly attentive unto. That word devoted is also uh, translated, if you have a new King James, it says steadfastly, right? How many of you read it said steadfastly? Uh, Steadfastly attentive unto, to give unremitting care to a thing. Nothing can keep you from coming to church. Nothing can keep you from your, your time of prayer and reading the word. Nothing can keep you because you're devoted to continue all the time in a place. To persevere and not be faint. Devoted. To show oneself courageous. To be in constant readiness for one Wait on constantly. If I'm devoted to the church, it's because I'm awaiting the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm devoted to the body of Christ. Why? Because he's coming back for me. And you know, I really dislike, not to use a different word, that, that, that bumper sticker, you know, Jesus is coming, look busy. That, that just, that just, and if you have it on your car, then that's your problem. But I don't like it. Right? Look busy. What is that? No, I'm not going to look busy. I am busy about the, the kingdom of God. And forget busy. I don't like busy because, you know, I like to use acrostics and busy is being under Satan's yoke. I'm not busy. I'm working for the kingdom of God. I'm saving people's lives. Right? I'm growing the church. I'm, I'm feeding the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Right? I'm going to do my job so the kingdom could expand. Devoted. They were devoted, even in communion they were devoted. How do you do that? This is not just a piece of bread and a little thing of juice. It's not just a little, do we have wafers today? What do we have today? Wafers. So, yeah. So it's not just a little crunchy little wafer. I like those. I don't like their flavor, but I like when you go and they snap, right? His body was broken for us, even though a bone was never broken on his body, as it says in in the Bible, right? But his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. Somebody asked me once, why don't we do this more often? Because if we do it too often, it becomes a tradition, and we just come in and we just do it, and it doesn't mean anything. They were devoted to the breaking of bread together. Devoted. Devoted. Matthew 26, 17 through 29. This is one of the most powerful things. I mean, Jesus healed the sick, resurrected the dead, healed the blind. He did, he, he cast out demons. He did some incredible stuff. But look about what he's about to do. Excuse me. <clears throat> Matthew 26, 17 through 29 says, 
Now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? We do this all the time. Do it once a year. We eat the Passover. It's just part of our tradition. It's been for over a thousand years. And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher, rabbi, says, my time is at hand and I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat with the 12, everybody say 12. Now, as they were eating, he said, Surely I say to you, one of you, one of the twelve, will betray me. Just reading it, it's uncomfortable. Imagine sitting there and having him look at the twelve and go, Hey, one of you is going to betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, all twelve of them. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not even been born. Then Judas, one of the twelve, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, it is I. Is it I? I'm sorry. Rabbi, is it I? You don't think he knew? He was already setting them up. 30 pieces of silver. He said to him, you have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my blood, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it all. Everybody say all. All of you. How many is all? The twelve. All of you. Who was included in the all? Judas was included in the all. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many of the remissions of sins. I got to stop there for a minute, okay? Because at this point, there's a sense of relief amongst the disciples, except for Judas. (laughs) But there's a sense of relief because until this point, Jesus had already said before that unless you eat my flesh, and drink my blood, you will have no part of me. Now we know because we have the Bible and we read, right, we read the end, right? (laughs) We move forward. But at this point, they have no idea what he means. He had 300 followers. He had 72 followers. At the 72, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and now he's got 12. Why? Because they're like, this guy's nuts. What are we, we're cannibals? Now we're going to cut them up and we're going to eat them? Right? But now he says this and the the 12 are like, whew. When he holds up and says, this is my body. Whew. Right? But they trusted him enough. Drink from it, all of you. 
For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's house. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I picture myself either looking through the window or, or I, I don't want to be so boastful to say I'm sitting there with the disciples. So I'm kind of looking from the outside, right? And he's talking to them. Judas already gave himself up. I'm going to betray you. Jesus goes and he does this. And then at the end, he doesn't single him out. He includes him. He includes him in his body and his blood. In John's account of the Last Supper, John says that Jesus dips the bread into the wine and hands it to Judas. Now, as we're thinking, that's my Jesus, and he's just, he's just calling him out because that, you know, you can come up with any name you want, and you can call Judas anything you want, but Jesus was not pointing him out to make him feel guilty. Or to, Jesus was offering him a way out. Jesus was offering him his blood and his body that he too could be forgiven. You're going to betray me. That, that's a, that's a, you're going to do this. But I am going to include you in this supper because when I go to the cross, it'll also be for you. And Judas refused it even after that. He hung from a tree and his entrails were on the floor. Judas was given the opportunity. Judas, the betrayer of Jesus, the Ju where we get Judas kiss. Beso de Judah, right? Where we say the Judas kiss. So he gave me a, that guy's going to betray me. He gave me a kiss, but he's going to stab me in the back, you know? That's where we get that. I mean, come on, Judas. You say Judas to anybody, even people that don't go to church, and they're all, oh, that's the guy that betrayed Jesus. He got what he deserved. No. He got what he wanted to get because he was given the opportunity. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> your sin and your unrighteousness and the things that you think and do are covered by that bread and by that wine. They're covered by the body and blood of Jesus. And if he could offer it to Judas that was about to betray him and make him suffer like he did, Believe me, you can't do anything worse than that. Right? And even if he did betray Jesus, he would still dip his, the bread and say, I offer you the same forgiveness. I'm about to suffer and go on that cross for you. You're going to be the one that sent me there, but I still love you enough to do it for you. He didn't, he didn't, he could have said the 11. He could have said, until we do this again, me and you 11. But he didn't. He says, until we do this again, he was confessing that Judas would be in heaven with him. He was saying, until we do, we do this again. He was looking at all of them, giving Judas the opportunity to be able to. I don't know about you, but I've done some horrible things in my life before I was a Christian. And some semi-bad things after, but mostly when, <laughs> before I even knew. And just knowing that he forgave Judas and he offered the bread and the wine for him, that's what he's doing for you today. 
He's offering you the bread and the wine. He's offering it to you today. So as you take it, remember that you're forgiven and you're restored. This is not just a piece of bread in a... In a, a now that, that, that wafer and that juice doesn't have power. The power is in the faith that you have as you make your way up here. And as you wait and we take it together. It's a very powerful moment about to happen here in our midst. Let's be devoted to it, as it says. <clears throat> I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11, which I normally read when we're about to, to take communion, but I'm going to read it now. And, uh, and then I'm going to ask you, as the, the music begins to play, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. And then... Uh, and then we're going to have communion. Uh, I'm going to ask my, my wife, Pastor Margie, to please come up and go ahead and grab the microphone. I'm going to ask you to, to pray or, or add or say anything that you need to share with the congregation. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 34. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed <laughs> took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. I don't know about you, but you know, we, we live in a different world. And I think if we would have had social media back then, this would be a meme. And it would be Jesus hanging on the cross. And it would say, I did this for you. That's what the meme would look like. That's what this table is. It's like a picture. If he could take a picture or a movie of what actually happened and say, look, let me, let me, let me show you. Don't forget this. And God's people forgot a lot. When the Israelites left Egypt and they were in the wilderness, why were they there so long? Because they were a forgetful bunch. They just kept forgetting how good God was to them. They just kept forgetting the promise. They just kept, you know, it says they forgot. They, for, they wanted to go back. Why? Because they forgot. Man, if God opens the ocean down the middle and you'd walk on dry land, you know, uh, uh, across whatever it was, I think it's like nine miles or something like that. You walk across the ocean on dry ground with the, with the ocean split down the middle. Whatever God has next, I'm like, okay. I'm, I, how are you going to forget that? Such a mirror, and I want to go back. God ain't going to split it again. You're going to have to swim. <laughs> you want to go back to build bricks for Pharaoh? Then go swim. Because God, God did it for your deliverance, not for your return. Do this in remembrance of me, verse 25. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I can't even cover that. I got just a minute or two, but proclaim the Lord's death. Yes. There's a new testament, and the only way that that testament can go into effect is if the testator dies. It's the same as a will and testament. It doesn't go into effect until the person's will, uh, until the person that willed it or test, did the testament dies. And Jesus did just that, to put the New Testament into effect. So we proclaim his death. Why? Because we are living in a new and better covenant. 
Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lamb of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. This is what we're going to do in just a minute. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That word is actually die. For we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, then when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest will be set in order when I come. So the purpose for this bread and wine, obviously it's a wafer about this big and a cup about that big, is not to take care of your hunger and your thirst. Naturally. It's a spiritual moment. And it says, get your heart ready. That's why the word devoted is used when, you, when they said breaking of bread together in Acts chapter 2. Devoted. Why? Because they prepared. It just wasn't something that they just did and came up and did. It was something that they took with such reverence and respect and biblical fear. Let's call it that because it's not normal fear. It's biblical fear. Such a high level of reverence. Their desire was to be right with God. Every time I say that word desire, you know, your desire should be to want to be right with God. And this is an opportunity to do that. There's a word in Spanish. I guess desire would translate as desear or, or something like that. But there's another word. It's called anhelar or anhelo. And it means a, it's a fiery, fervent desire that you can't go on with life without it. Anhelar. Sometimes in other languages, I'm, I'm blessed that I, that I know two fluently and one kind of... <laughs> But sometimes in other languages, you read something, you're like, wow. Doesn't, it's not as strong in certain languages. You know, sometimes it's stronger in English. But anhelat is this desire. My desire today, my anhelo, is that I would be right with God when I come to the table. Get right with God. And it doesn't say come to the table to get right. It says get right with God before. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, and then I'm going to give my wife just a moment to, to share or pray or whatever she feels led to do. But I want to ask if there's anyone in the room that wants to get right with God this morning. This is your opportunity. Do it right before we take. This is the best time, and right before communion. Right? Isn't that awesome? To be able to, to get right with God and then have communion in a worthy manner. And it's not by your doing. It's not anything you can do. You can't be worthy enough to have this, this meal. God makes you worthy. All you do is accept it. So if that's you, just kind of raise your hand. Say, I want to get ready for the table of the Lord this morning by getting right with God. Let's get right this morning. Come on. Let's get right this morning. I see the hands. Let's get right this morning. Who wants to get right? Huh? Lord, you see the hands this morning. My prayer, Father, is that as they raise their hand, they made a commitment to follow you and to continue in your word and in prayer, Lord, and to be discipled by you. I thank you, Father, that as we are forgiven this morning, we approach this table of remembrance, this table of blood, this table of body and blood, Lord, 
I thank you that we approach it worthy because you made us worthy. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.